1: Hey, welcome everyone to the, from the shadows podcast. I'm your host, Shane Grove. And with me as always is the super producer, Jason. Greetings everyone. Hey, um, you know, we do a lot of, uh, we do a lot of work trying to get guests on, onto the show, get guests scheduled onto the show, bring, bring people that uh, we really think our listeners, our loyal listeners are going to want to hear. And, um, Today is no different, <laughs> except that except that our guest today bailed us out because the two or three people that I had on the list lined up um, for some reason or another could not. Um, you know, times got switched around and they just couldn't be on. But you know what? I think Jason, we kind of uh, we've done this long enough. I think everything happens for a reason, don't you? though, Jason, you're not listening.
2: Oh, there we go. I'm sorry. I'm sitting there God. talking and you couldn't even hear me. <laughs>
1: well, I take back everything about Super Producer. Well, no, anyway, like but-
2: I was saying, though, with the, the part that you couldn't hear was we struck gold with this guest. Yeah, I think you're we struck gonna gold. You're going to enjoy this, I, people. I think,
1: we, I think we struck gold. I think um, um, we had somebody step up today out of the blue that, uh, you know, I've just, I, I was sort of familiar with, with who he was through Instagram. I've seen his book series. Um, and, uh, he was gracious enough to, to contact me and say, Hey man, I, I, I can help you guys out. So we are super appreciative of author Max Hawthorne for joining us today on the, from the shadows podcast. Welcome Max to the show.
3: Uh, Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, and I, I hope I live up to your uh, expectations.
1: <laughs> well, we don't re- listen, regret it. <laughs> no. Listen, if you do, if you don't, Jason will just edit that out, and we'll say, Maybe. okay, well, here's what we got. <laughs> <laughs> here's what we got. So, so Max, before we yes. um, before we get into some of your very own personal experiences, mm-hmm. let er, let all of our listeners know what you're most well known for. Because I think well, we have a lot of listeners that will probably like the subject matter that you that you're going to talk about here, and maybe go out and check out your book series.
3: Well, sure, uh, that's always appreciated. Appreciated. Um, so I'm primarily a novelist by trade. I write the uh, quote best-selling Cronus Rising series of sci-fi thrillers. They're kind of like the hashtag says, Jaws meets Jurassic Park. Um, the series is uh, based on the notion of uh, extremely large, dangerous, prehistoric marine life uh, being alive in the present and released in today's ocean and the impact that has on the ecology of the seas. And obviously the poor schmucks that I put in there, the protagonists that are forced to try and survive with these critters, etc. It's a little more complex than that. But um, – and, uh, you know, it, it's been great. I've, I've done a lot of stuff. I was – interviewed by the Washington post recently and, uh, lots of other places. So, uh, the books are well-received and I'm, I'm happy to be doing it.
1: Now, um, what do you, you know, this is just kind of, you know, you've done a lot of the research for the possibilities of this even happening. What, what do you think? I mean, is the book a true representation of even though it's fiction, of what mm. you think would, would happen if something if something like that were to occur?
3: Oh, the, well, I mean, the animals that are in the novel are, are based on real prehistoric life forms, like the pliosaurs that are like these primary apex predators in there. Um, a pliosaur, well, there's a lot of different – were a lot of different species of them. Just, but if you picture like a, a crocodile the size of a whale but with a short tail and four large flippers instead of uh, short legs, that's kind of like what you're dealing with. And – With, I mean, I'm I'm very much in the conservation and such. So, if you think about it, our oceans have been, the sharks have been wiped out. Millions are being killed every year for shark finning, and whales, obviously, most you know populations are still down to ten percent of the original numbers from whaling. So, if you released a very large apex predator that was capable of multiplying quickly into our seas, it's quite conceivable that it would kind of take over three quarters of the planet in no time, and that would be. have obviously a tremendous impact on the human race fish stocks boating i mean imagine you're in a you know you can't go out in a boat that's not the size of a destroyer without getting sunk and eaten
2: yeah that would definitely change the way it would change life as we know it
3: yeah i'm I'm gonna go surfing no you're not
1: (laughs) (laughs) boy talk about a new event in the x games right i mean wouldn't that be like survival surfing or (laughs) prehistoric? oh my gosh yeah i'm just i and because we are you know we're at in ohio you know i'm automatically thinking what would be in lake erie like some of those animals you're describing would even fit in lake erie
3: in spot and i fished lake erie by the way multiple times um but uh there's actually a scene in the book where on on news footage where one of these things gets into i think it was lake ontario not lake erie and uh it's a Pretty frantic scene because it's it's not a huge one. It's like maybe 20 feet long, but that's plenty big enough. And you know, families on the beach there, and all of a sudden, this thing just comes up out of the surf and grabs like a a kid and starts scarfing them down. And then people are hitting it with umbrellas, you know, beach umbrellas, and a cop shows up and shooting at it and stuff like that, but they can't stop it. You know, it just starts dragging people into the water and eating them. Wow! Even even that happens.
1: (laughs) Yes, I mean it's literally like Jaws on steroids. It's what it is. What it would be as a. I mean, has this? uh, Have you written the screenplay for this yet and shopped it around?
3: Oh, the uh, screenplay for the first novel is done, and uh, I I can't discuss what's going on with that. But you know, fingers crossed, and all that. (laughs)
1: Um,
3: You know. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it definitely has the makings for a, a, a great motion picture. We're not talking sci-fi channel stuff here either. So. Oh
1: no, no, no! You're talking, yeah, you're talking. Uh, that's a big budget right there mm-hmm. to start creating uh, those kind of animals, even if it is uh, just visual
3: special effects. I mean, that's, yeah, even uh, CGI—that's some...
2: that's a big budget film.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it is, yeah. and and when you're filming on the water a lot, because everybody remembers with Jaws how the budget skyrocketed from all the problems you run into when you're filming a lot at sea.
2: Right.
1: Well, I'm I'm in fact, and and the people that tuned in for Bigfoot are going to be like, what are these guys talking about? I am reading, <laughs> I am reading the uh, the Jaws log by the Gottlieb guy who wrote the screenplay day by day on Martha's Vineyard as they were shooting um jaws and it's kind of like a diary of, of like what happened what before during and after the making of Jaws. it's fascinating a I mean, i'm kind of a a writing geek like that so you know so but it's 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 really good if you haven't read it i strong i mean i think they re-released it with some mm-hmm. updates it's a great it's a great little book easy read um so i, I should put you in touch um, sure Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, that's, a, I'm just saying, there's my, there's my, uh, you know, I do a lot better job of promoting other people's books on my own. You know, I don't understand it. But anyway, go
3: ahead. <laughs> See, I know a guy that was the key grip when they were, uh, I believe, filming Jaws and stuff. And he told me a lot of stuff like firsthand. I should introduce him to you. He's retired now from Hollywood, but uh, he worked on tons and tons of movies like 50 years in the industry. So,
1: oh, that would be great. I, yeah, yeah. those are the those are the kind of guys that have, yes those they have the best they have the best Your stories story.
3: for sure yeah he's describing <laughs> how they were dragging the shark through the you know the water with a rope you know and all this stuff
1: yeah and I, and look i i'm just gonna i'm not afraid to admit it the one thing that does terrify me yeah. is the water and i'm not i mean not like a swimming pool or bathtub but to go out into water where you can't see below mm-hmm. where you're swimming and not knowing what is underneath and, and what, you know, could be lurking, uh, in the dark, uh, in the darkness. I just don't like it.
2: Yeah. I got I on that. Yeah. You're <laughs> absolutely right. Do you realize that jaws, uh, terrorized a whole generation of people as far as going into the water? <laughs> it really has.
3: And I picked up where they left off, believe me, because I've had people tell me, I mean, they're like, I went to the beach and I read your book there and I didn't go in the water and, you know, all sorts of stuff. Some people are like, scariest book I ever read. I'm like, I don't know if I believe that. But, you know, (laughs) but I am scaring people.
1: So what do you so what's your kind of take on um, sea monsters today? Like if if people are really seeing stuff like the Loch Ness Monster or. Uh, in Lake Champlain and, and stuff. Like, do you think there really are prehistoric creatures uh, that may have survived out there in, in really small numbers?
3: I believe that there are, first off, the oceans are incredibly vast, and we've only explored, I believe, 5%, if I'm not mistaken, of the actual ocean bottom, not even you know, the, the, the vertical water you're looking at involved, which I think is an average of 11,000 feet deep, et cetera. Um, the the, there's a a lot of evidence and it isn't just eyewitness accounts. Um, when I was doing a lot of research, one of the things I came across was, uh, it's actually on, on my YouTube channel. Um, but there was footage that was originally on Facebook by a group and they had um, underwater footage of an orca off the coast of Norway. And it has these gigantic bite scars on it. It's mangled. I mean, it's half of its, one of its pectoral fins has been bitten off and uh, it's got this wedge shaped bite scars on its dorsal section where something grabbed it and just shook the hell out of it. You could see where the teeth ripped back and forth as it was shaking the thing, like a dog shakes a rat or something. And it even had a ventral bite where something hit it probably while it was trying to get away. And so something attacked this orca and the bite marks. I showed them to a top marine biologist and he said he'd never seen photos of marks like that. He couldn't say what they, what had caused it, but uh, it doesn't match anything extant that I could find. So it looks like some sort of gigantic crocodile or some sort of reptile attacked this killer whale and tried to make a meal out of it. Of course, when you attack an orca, usually there's not just one orca. So I would imagine that the pod mates came to its defense. And, you know, if it wasn't, if it was some sort of marine reptile, it must've been quite interesting. But I mean, there's, the footage is on there. So people go to my, you know, book trailers thing on YouTube, they can see it. It's shocking.
1: I, I'm just trying to imagine what, what would be, cause you usually don't attack something unless you're bigger than what you're attacking. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what would be big enough to attack an orca that, I mean, of course, a whale, but a mm-hmm. whale's not going to go attack an orca.
3: Right. I mean, you don't attack a killer whale. Killer whales attack great whales instead. And this, uh, the, to be fair, this whale that was attacked was a young one. It wasn't an adult. So it was probably only about 15 feet long or something like that. But even so, when you measure the bite radius and stuff like that, you know, it couldn't even have been an orca because the orca would have had to have been at least 40 feet long, which is way bigger than they get. And the bites didn't match that, so it would have to be something. I mean, if it was a like something like a marine raffle, like a mosasaur, which there are many, many sightings. People claim they've seen, you know, crocodiles with flippers instead of feet and stuff like that. Um, but it, that's what it sounds like I mean, from descriptions and from the bite marks. That is feasible. I mean, I know it sounds fantastic, but uh, you know, you'd still be looking at an animal that was forty or fifty feet long. On I guess that it attacked it. If yeah, it was something huge. like that,
1: mm-hmm. that is, that, that is just unfathomable, like standing here, you know, sitting here and I'm imagining how long our house is. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> hey, Max, uh, <laughs> since you've done so much research on this, what are your thoughts on whether a megalodon might still be alive in the uh, great depths of our oceans?
3: Well, the last book that I did um, is called Monsters and Marine Mysteries, and it was actually a collection. There was a few sightings of my own in there, but it was a lot of people that I interviewed who had seen sea monsters of an incredible variety. And I also researched things like mega sharks, monster squid, giant octopi, things like that. And the chapter on mega sharks is very telling because we were able to get some of the most data together for it. And um, when you're, I mean, obviously, the ultimate proof of a of a gigantic shark is either a tooth that's, you know, just been deposited, mm-hmm. preferably with some gum gum tissue attached to it, or you know, real video footage, not this frugazi stuff that you see on, you know, some of these channels and stuff like that. Right. But uh, what we got was we were basing it on bite marks, feeding marks on whales, whale sharks, and things like that. And it's, uh, I mean, some amazing stuff. The biggest animal, like the sharks out there, like first we proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that white sharks can reach or even exceed 25 feet. And that's pretty much guaranteed because I've got video footage of this guy measuring fresh feeding marks on a humpback carcass. And the smaller of the two bites in terms of vertical height is 31 inches tall. And the shark had not opened its mouth to full gape. Then the one above it is 38 inches high. That's a tremendous bite for a great white.
2: Yes.
1: And when That's
3: like so, the mouth
1: being open over three feet. Yes. And
3: um, mm-hmm. picture <laughs> that. Then you got a whole head attached, all the flesh around that, et cetera. And. <laughs> So, I I mean – and I went with all these different scientific formulas and I spoke to biologists and paleontologists, et cetera, and I used the most conservative formula I could find. And that still came out with a shark around 26 feet long. Okay, Now, that wasn't the biggest one that we were looking at. We had a – I revisited the – the bite on this pygmy blue whale that discovery had had on one of their super predator specials. They called it like a 35 foot white shark, living in the kill zone or something like that and i got to speak to kurt jenner who took the photos of this pygmy blue whale um this is i guess near new zealand or australia he's at the center for whale research and he sent me some great hd shots of this and this pygmy blue when we say pygmy we're still talking talking about a whale that's like over well over 60 feet long or something or 70 i forget all the numbers in front of me but it was a big animal and it had a bite scar on its peduncle above the codocule, like uh, the back, the tail muscles right where the for the flukes, and something had taken a hunk out of it years earlier. I mean, you can see it's an old wound, but there are two grooves that show that it was from a shark, and they, they crunched the numbers and estimated that this bite was, I think, between 39 and 47 inches or something like that in terms of width. Width, not height, Okay. And so I researched this thoroughly and then I studied it and I did a little extrapolating and I came to the conclusion that the bite had not grown with the animal. Like people have this preconceived oh, the bite when it was smaller and then the bite grew. It doesn't really work like that. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like if you have a, a cut on your arm when you're a kid, the, the, the scar does not grow as you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, but, yeah. I think, yeah. We no, get what people you're have. Yeah. So what happened in this case is I concluded that the – so if you picture like – I mean I wish I had – we could open the page from the book right now and show people. But if you picture the, a whale's tail right in front of the flukes okay, at the back and then you took like a semicircle out of the top of that right in front of the flukes there, a chunk of flesh. okay. So what happened is over time as the animal grew, that wound as it healed started to flatten out. And flatten out and flatten out, and this was exacerbated by the fact that that's the whale's source of locomotion. So those flukes are moving up and down, so that region is constantly flexing up and down, up and down they propel propeller through the water. So as it flattened out, it kind of like elongated, it didn't grow. But if you take a semicircle and then you pull it down as the whale grows under it, that's the illusion that was created. So the, the real bite was still big. I mean, I, I crunched it, like I said, the numbers and stuff, but it's indicated a fish somewhere between 25 and nearly 30 feet in length, Um, probably closer to the higher end of that, and that was a very large shark, but the the most jarring one was the one, um, Simon Pierce, he's a whale shark expert, incredible marine biologist, this guy swims with whale sharks the size of a bus, pregnant ones, and gives them sonograms while they're swimming, okay, can you imagine that
1: suddenly my job as a mailman seems even less impressive
2: yeah I'm i couldn't just, do what he did
3: <laughs> just, he, he's that. living the life let me tell you oh, yeah. God. so so i uh you know he a few years back i think it was 2017 I'm, don't hold me to it but uh they photographed a 40-foot whale shark and had an enormous bite scar chunk taken out of its flank in the back and it's interesting because these giant sharks just like you know, great whites when they attack elephant seals, they always go for the haunches. They want to immobilize their prey, take out its source of locomotion, see, so it can't swim anymore, so it'll bleed out. But at the same time they want to avoid the business end, which is the jaws, if it has teeth or something like that to fight back with. You know, so they want these they do these hit and runs like that. Okay. So this whale shark, it tried to take out its its tail region, bit down on there, crunched down on it and stuff. And the bite is four feet across a solid 48 inches, okay? Oh, my goodness. Now, once again, yeah, like I and it's all in the book, all the photos, diagrams, you name it, uh, all this. And I looked at it, and people say, oh, well, that's just, it." once again, it grew as the whale shark was smaller and all this other stuff. But I've studied whale sharks that have been attacked by white sharks and tiger sharks and stuff. And the difference between a bite from what's inflicted and when it's a year or a year and a half later Is night and day. You can't even recognize that it was a bite anymore. It almost completely fills in, smooths out. It's not like this. This bite still has individual tooth grooves in it. You see what I'm saying? It's not an old bite.
1: So it was a fresh bite. Yeah, it was a fresh
3: bite that they. I mean, it's not, it's healed. It's healed. It's not bleeding, but it's not something that's filled in and stretched out, filled with tissue and amorphosized or something like that. Okay, it's a c- pretty clean cut bite, and that gives you an indication that you're dealing with a shark potentially with a four foot gape, you know, width wise. And that ended up being an animal in close to the whale shark size, around forty feet in length. So,
1: forty that, feet. Yeah. yeah. And these but, are and, and these are ones that that those guys have not actually seen the shark, even though they're out there looking, but they can,
3: but they can deduce that it has to exist to, for that bite to exist. Well, if I was swimming along with a whale shark and I see a four-foot bite taken out of it, I'm going to be looking around, if you know what I'm saying, before I – you know what I mean? You, you, you well, know. Well, interestingly, it couldn't kill the whale shark. It failed and it's attack and whale sharks are very slow swimmers and not really uh big with defense if you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like i mean it could slap something with it's you know fin, its tail or something like that but they only swim at like three or four miles an hour you know they're they're slugs but they do have a, a huge like uh, keel that runs through their this thick epidermis i mean the, the, their skin is like the thickest in the animal kingdom probably uh, in that animal i don't know Maybe, maybe a foot thick and it has all this fibrous tissue that protects it. I call it like a crumple zone. And I think it's in my opinion, it's designed to offset attacks by white sharks and other large macro predatory fish. So that when it goes to try and take out that tail region, it bites down on this thick you know, fibrous mass of tissue and it gets nothing and doesn't really take out the muscles that are powering this huge animal. So anyway, it's just my opinion. That,
1: well, that sounds like a very good very well educated and researched opinion, opinion. Um, you know, I mean, yeah. I, I cannot even wrap my head around like the sizes of these creatures that you're talking about because you, where on earth, where, uh, what would a? I mean, I, the obvious answer is what would a 40 foot long shark eat? Well, anything it wanted, but I mean, imagine what it had the damage it could cause just wherever and whenever.
3: Well, I don't think I mean if we're, we're being you know direct I don't think it's a quote megalodon per se um, there are some scientists out there that are theorizing and they were in that that same discovery show um, that there may be it may be an instance where white sharks occasionally you get a mutant that you know becomes a victim of what's called gigantism and this does happen in the animal kingdom sometimes they have like it's all in the book I mean I, like Toads, and you'll see like an American toad that's usually grows to only four inches in length, you know, snout to vent, and all. Sometimes they they're eight inches in length. These mutant toads. You know, I personally caught a a beetle when I was young that was at least two or three times the length of the species. It was astonishingly big. So I mean, it could be something like that. Um, the tooth marks were very pointy more like a white shark than a Megalodon. Megalodon's teeth are a little more rounded, let's say. Um, but, Or the other option would be uh, there is a species that swam the oceans at the same time as Megalodon that was actually its ancestor. They branched off, and it's called o totus chubutensis and it got to be like 40 feet in length is the estimate had teeth like up to five inches that kind of stuff so i mean if there was some quote extinct shark swimming around that doesn't know it's extinct then that would be your best bet the other option which may be equally likely or more likely is that once every once in a while you get a white shark and it just doesn't stop growing you know the problem is is that though they do slow down as they get larger and larger and larger. And it probably would make its living more on carrion, you know, whale carcasses and stuff, which is why it would have attacked something as slow as a whale shark.
1: Yeah, I did. You know, I did remember one of those shark shows. They kind of <clears throat> went through the process of why some of those huge sharks ended up going extinct. It was because they, there was not enough prey that they could actually eat. Stuff was getting smaller and too quick for them, and they just couldn't – and there just wasn't enough enough food, uh, easy, easy food for them, I guess, so to speak.
3: Well, if you have younger – like if you have a species like megalodon, let's say, and you have your younger sharks that are, let's say, 20 to 30 feet long, and they're still capable of some decent speed and they're active predators, they're out there – hunting whales, prehistoric whales that were around their size, you know, 25, 30 feet long. And each time they would make a kill, they will leave a carcass behind. So that does tend to feed the adults that it might be too slow or cumbersome to catch a whale like that. But the problem is when you have a mass extinction where all of a sudden whole species of baleen whales get wiped out for assorted reasons like anoxic events and things like that in the ocean, then all of a sudden the smaller ones of the species don't have anything to eat. And if they're not making kills, then the broodstock, the adults that are breeding starve, then your whole species gets wiped out. That's a very, beer, you
1: know? yeah, that's, yeah, that's very, yes, that's very interesting. And then, and then you got jaws eating
3: people, you know what I'm saying? Oh, well, you know, we're very slow <laughs> in water to think about it. I mean, a whale shark could catch and eat a person if it was, it wanted to. Right.
2: Yeah,
1: it, it, it just, when I see pictures and video of people swimming up next to them, it's just, uh, I mean, it just goes to show you how docile of a creature they really are. Because it would be nothing for them to inhale and suck a person in, you know, just like that. So, so what is your, in doing this uh, Monsters and Marine Mysteries book, Mm -hmm. which, which is some of your favorite stories that, that may, that seem very credible, but, but it's hard for you to wrap your head around that it possibly could exist.
3: Um, well, we'll skip my stuff and let me focus on people <laughs> that, yeah,
1: <laughs> but, we'll come um, back to, we'll come back to your stuff,
3: but let's let's circle, we'll circle back. Good. <laughs> okay. But, um, there was, first of all, there was one person I interviewed who it's in the book, but I, I find it impossible to conceive of what he saw. Um, and we couldn't get, he was a Naval officer on an aircraft carrier and, According to him, and there was another person with him in the, uh, flight box. That's like a, the control portion of the carrier where they could see planes landing and stuff and direct, you know, people, um, they saw a whale shark fin service behind their boat, behind the carrier. The carrier was cruising along at a slow speed and they dump trash in the water, um, uh, not a fan of this, but anyway, but I'm just going to say it. So they they dump, you know, all the garbage from the ship. is a huge ship, you know, ocean liner size military ship. Okay, gets dumped off the back, okay, into the ocean. Black trash bags full of refuse from the mess. You know, chicken bones and corn cobs and everything and anything, and they just throw it all there. And people watch when they do it because things will follow the ship. Looking for meals. You know, sharks and things like that will follow along and snag a bag and everybody likes to watch it happen. Okay. So they said all of a sudden this this fin came up, and according to the, the him, okay, and I'm not vouching for this, I wasn't there. But like I said, this is one I could not wrap my head around, but the fin was like fifty feet high. What? Yeah.
1: 50 feet.
3: <laughs> but it was a whale shark fin. This is the incredible part. Like it surfaced behind the boat, it must have inhaled all the garbage and probably all the fish that were feeding on it. And then the fin cruised by and then it slowly cruised into the distance and then it slowly disappeared. And I watched this whole thing happen. And you know, I was like crunching the numbers and the the, the fish had to be at least 900 feet long. That's like I said, incredible. I now I am not, you know, vouching for this. I'm just telling you, you know, I interviewed this person. He had, he had actually reached out to a Marine biologist years before I even heard about it with the story. And of course the guy wasn't taking him seriously, you know, who would, et cetera. Um, the only thing that was interesting to me was the region is that it's not super far from where they had, a. Uh, a UFO r- r- reportedly decades back crashed into the ocean in that area, and there were reports of all this yellow foam on the surface of the water, et cetera. So I said, "Who knows? Maybe this foam has some sort of, you know, Radi-
1: radioactive material yeah, that you you know,
3: know. on organisms or whatever." Because was another sighting that of some other creature that seemed to be mutated in that general area, maybe this foam broke, got into the food chain, it affected krill, which affected, you know, and maybe this poor shark, you know, anything is possible, okay, I mean, like, but, you know, we're talking a fish the size of a skyscraper, it's pretty hard to swallow, pun intended. Yeah, like,
1: like, how big, ba- so how long is that ship?
3: The ship is over a thousand feet long. So, it was so the this- size, of, it would have been the size of the carrier. Yeah, that's – wow. Highly, highly uh, unlikely. Hey, you asked for something I couldn't wrap my head around, so <laughs> that, that's the one. Okay. Well, thank
2: you. Thank you very <laughs> much.
3: Yeah, It has got
2: me in all over here. It's like, wow. Uh, <laughs> because
1: what – now they – so obviously, though, um, these are naval officers, mm-hmm. and he knows enough
3: to know that it's a whale
1: shark fin,
3: so yeah, he knows described- – brown yeah. spots and everything and all that. Yeah. He had a sketch he had drawn, drawn back then of it and all this stuff. But, uh, you know, then we tried to get in touch with the other officer who had been there, you know, with him in this, uh, you know, flight command center. And uh, we couldn't – The all doors were shut so to speak could not get a response from anybody from the Navy or anything like that, you know, could not get in touch with this person. I tried, he tried, et cetera. They just, you know, closed door policy or something like that. I don't know. So
1: well, that almost tells me that there's something to it. I,
3: I, I don't think anybody
1: wants to, yeah. yeah. Or wouldn't you just come out and say, no, that didn't, that we did. That's not true. Mm-hmm. you know i mean it would be easier to do that than to just not answer any questions because then you're just
3: creating more questions yeah Why not i mean I, if i could have spoken to the second officer i could have corroborated the story see and i i, I like to do a thing where i'll like you know interview one person and then I'll interview the other person and I try and, you know, like, see if I can catch them in a lie or, you know, whatever a misstatement or anything like that. You know, you try and pick these things apart because, you know, sometimes people just want their 15 minutes. But, uh, you know, the guy didn't strike me as that I interviewed. He did not strike me as, as a phony or anything like that. He seemed, you know, quite sincere. You know, he was saying how he, he thought they, back then he thought the whale sharks got that big. And then he was watching them on TV and they were guppies. He said, the thing we saw, the fin was as big as that. What are they talking about? This is as big as they get, you know, this type of stuff. And that's when he started, like, trying to reach out to this marine biologist and, this, you know, all this other stuff. But, uh, you know, so – but that's the one that I have a hard time wrapping my head around or anything else for that matter.
1: Well, does it uh, – I mean, here's your here's your uh, food for thought. Mm-hmm. Do you feel better that you were not able to cooperate corrobor- cooperate that? Because if you
3: had, mm-hmm. what would that have, what would that Well, do? I mean, that would have told me that either these two guys, you know, both put this fantastical story together. But if I was able to, you know, not break their story down, uh, then I'd have to be more like, well, maybe, you know, I just, uh, you know, what can you do? I mean, without a photograph or anything like that or a video, you know, we like, like, you know, you would think like, With the ship, there's got to be surveillance or radar or sonar. I mean, you would think if an animal that size was out there, they would have had some record of it. I mean, you can't pass that close to a a U.S. warship without it being documented, you know?
1: Well, didn't I just see in the news that for the second time, one of our nuclear
3: submarines Mm -hmm. struck something, yes, struck something enough to Mm -hmm. damage it? Uh Huh? Well, they had that. One of the things I covered in the book was the attack on the USS Stein, a destroyer. I think it was like 1970s or something. And this warship was attacked by a a gigantic squid that damaged it and took out its sonar dome. And they had to return to port where they discovered the sonar dome was all slashed by and there were giant squid claws in the no foul coating that covers the sonar dome. And uh, according to them, the, the squid was five times larger than any known specimen. Five times, so and it nice. was, and
1: it wasn't that long ago that they poo-pooed the existence of giant squids.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you know, it was just I, up until recently, you know. Well, I mean the ju-
1: the judge, who's a frequent contributor to the podcast, tells the story. Was it World War II, where one of the one of the battleships uh, sank, and or was it World War One? I can't remember. bad he's not here to tell the story again. Mm-hmm. But uh, where sailors reported giant squids coming up and like pulling down other sail and they just and they would not report it in the newspapers because they thought they were hallucinating and, and mm-hmm. didn't know what they were talking about.
3: And then here yeah. we go, we, we figure out that they do exist. Well, this squid was had to be gigantic. And I, I mean I checked, you know, I did all my research and stuff. Uh, I mean, in my opinion, When the stein passed over, and the stein was over 400 feet long, um, the squid must have assumed that it was an enormous sperm whale that was preparing to try and make a meal out of it. And uh, the stein's active sonar range is in the same, you know, will cover the range that a sperm whale uses when it's focused on its prey. You know, when a sperm whale focuses that cone of sonar into a beam and it starts focusing on a squid, it has it's in the same range as the active sonar that the stein was emitting. And if you look at the picture in the book of the sonar dome, which is about 26 feet wide, um, it's shaped like the head, the business end of a sperm whale. See, So this squid must have been under the, the, the ship and, you know, it was like starts getting hit with sonar and stuff and you know sees the silhouette and decides it's its arch enemy and somehow there's a whale not big enough to attack it as big as it is and it it could have been 150 160 feet long the squid and it just like you know giant squid are very aggressive and there's plenty of documentation of them attacking ships and, and yachts and all sorts of stuff like that it's, it, some of that's in there and monsters and marine mysteries also but and it attacked the sonar dome and it ripped it to hell and then it realized okay wait this is case of mistaken identity and it just, you know, broke off and it swam off, but it had a lot of its claws from its suckers had gotten torn free and the rubber coating and stuff had left behind. So
1: I, you know, I just want to apologize for everybody who, who thought that they were tuning into a show about staying out of the woods. And now that you're never going to get into a boat on (laughs) any, (laughs) in any water, uh, Especially the ocean. Oh dear, Mm. that is. I mean, that's that is kind of terrifying because you would definitely, even if you're on a battleship, you have Mm -hmm. to feel very vulnerable getting attacked from below by by any animal like that, which shouldn't exist in your mind.
2: Even out there in in international water, too. You know, that's uh, oceans really. Well, I mean.
1: yeah, but I mean, if you're getting attacked by a submarine, another battleship,, some air, that's what you're trained for. You know what I'm saying? That's, mm-hmm. that's what you expect. You don't expect a 900 foot long uh, whale shark or a 200 foot long uh, squid squ- squid. I mean, kind of a lot, how big are the starfish? Like
2: <laughs> a big starfish. That would be cool though. <laughs> yes, boy,
3: starfish. Can you imagine how slow that would be? Oh, you wow. Like, uh, hell. help! it's like, you know, like a Zamboni. Is
1: that, <laughs> is that a shooting? Is that a shooting star? Oh no, it's a giant starfish falling from the sky. Like, you know, the squid flipped it up in the, I mean, come on. I can picture all this stuff. This is just, that's, that's insane. Like, uh, Wow. I, that's all I can say is I can't even, none of this stuff I can wrap my head around because, because our body of water is Lake Erie that I'm used to. (laughs) Nothing, nothing like that could, um, even the, the research I did on the, um, Lake Erie monster and it's, you know, the sturgeon, they don't even compare. They don't even compare. It'd be like a can of sardines for something, uh, of the, like this.
0: They say
2: some of those sturgeons are over a hundred years old though. I thought that was pretty amazing by itself. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why
1: um, there were so many sightings of the, and you can't see the air quotes, the Lake Erie monster in the eighteen hundreds and earlier, and then they stopped until the late nineteen hundreds because sturgeon just got overfished, and there weren't any. There weren't any in the water long enough to grow as big as they needed to grow for a hundred years, um, you know, to be that giant quote unquote seam or lake monster. And so for all those years, they, that they were, uh, protected, that you couldn't fish them. You couldn't even look at them really. Um, it gave them a chance then. And I, and I think that's why in the late seventies and eighties, they started seeing the Lake Erie monster again, it's because the sturgeon had the opportunity to grow, back to the enormous sizes they, uh, they did and you know, and, and those things have not changed evolutionary wise for since previous, since the, they were first on the earth. I don't think they look like dinosaurs.
3: They look like monsters. They've been around since the dinosaurs. Yeah. And it's a shame that they've been slaughtered. Honestly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I read about how the, the people back in the, you know, they'd catch them by mistake Until they realized that, you know, the caviar part. But they used them as material to burn in the winter. Like they would throw – like they would stockpile them on the beach and then they would almost be like wood. They would like burn them in their uh, furnaces, which is crazy to even fathom. But I guess, you know, back then you had to do what you had to do. But but, – well, so – so, t- so you've told us some other people's experiences. What what are some of your experiences that you had that you included in in the book?
3: Um, well, since your uh, audience typically prefers Bigfoot stuff, do you want me to go over that crazy little story?
1: Nah, we don't. No, we don't. Yes,
3: yes, of oh. course. Let's <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> uh, you guys are calling the shots here. I'm just here to make a fool out of myself. So. Um, <laughs> But, uh, gosh, okay, so this happened I, – I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to guess or say um, close to 30 years ago and uh, or 28 years ago, something like that. My family, we used to have a house on the lake in um, in Danbury, Connecticut on Candlewood Lake. And uh, to preface it, so Candlewood Lake is a very large lake. It's got like 50 miles of coastline. And connected to it is uh, Squant's park it's like a state park so state, you know state land and it has a like part of candlewood they call it squance pond um and on one side of this it's like a two mile lake maybe um you have some houses on the hills and the woods and the other side is all like government land you know, preserve whatever you want to call it so uh the the squance is connected to candlewood which they were originally the same lake there's like a causeway a narrow road man-made road that splits the two lakes we'll call it um that has like you know one lane each way for cars okay and this oh my god the cat is breaking into my office um this ain't (laughs) good and he's in oh god okay should not have okay hi olaf (laughs) can you hear him yeah yeah. Uh, it's gonna get worse before it gets better um it's a big cat. Um, so, anyway, uh, moving right along. So, you know, in order to build this this road, they piled up a, a lot of rocks up, 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 up to form this, this little uh, divider between them, this causeway. And in order for the two lakes to be able to stay connected and for animals to be able to pass and forth, there's like a six foot wide um, tube, we'll call it, of concrete, steel reinforced concrete, whatever, that, that connects the lakes and goes under the road. Okay, so that, you know, muskrats can fish can swim back and forth, et cetera. Are you you with me so far? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. so so this is like large bits of gravel and whatever on this thing. It's like a a hill on each side and this little road at the top. So me and my two of my brothers, we were, you know, staying at our our family's house there. We got up like real early before the crack of dawn. We decided we're going to go down to the lake and we're going to shore fish and we're going to catch a bunch of big bass and blah, 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 blah. So we had a bucket of shiners, and we went down there, and we started fishing the squant side, okay? And, we're, you know, you're sitting on, like, these rocks on this, like, hill, and we're putting out shiners on their bobbers, and nothing's happening, okay? There was no fish, which was very odd, by the way. I mean, it was barely light out all I'll, I'll set of was It had been raining all the night before. Um, it was a little bit misty, okay? And it was flat, calm dead, and there was, no, it was nobody on the water. I don't remember if it was a weekend or a weekday or what, but it was like, whatever, 5, 5.30 in the morning, whatever it was. You know, the sun was just coming up, and but the, the, it was dead. I mean, like, no fish, okay? So after about 45 minutes or an hour of this, you know, Siskel and Ebert decided to get up, and they were going to cross the causeway and fish the other side behind me. Okay, the, the Candlewood side, while I decided to stay there. And I figured, the heck with them, let them go. I'll have this all to myself, and then I'm going to catch a huge lunker, and they're going to be jealous, whatever, you know, sibling rivalry stuff. Okay. So, you know, they had gone up, they crossed this little highway, road, I'm sorry, and went down the other side. So, physically, if in a straight line, they might have been, I don't know, 60 feet away from me, something like that. But to get there, you had to go up, down, you know, across the road and down again. Okay. So I'm, I'm sitting there fishing. Nothing's happening. Not a bite. Not a bite. And then I start seeing something in the water, and it's you know kind of far out there. I don't know if it was 100, 200 feet away, but it was some object it would come up to the surface, you know, bob there for a little bit, dark, and then it would go under again. And then it would come up a tiny bit closer, and it would bob up again, and then it would go under again. And I'm like, what is that? You know? And I'm like sitting there scratching my head, and it, it was like I started seeing, noticing that it was hairy. And it was covered with fur. And I'm, I'm like, oh, it's a muskrat. And then as it got a tiny bit closer, I'm like, no, nah, it's too big to be a muskrat. I'm like, it's a beaver. So I'm thinking, you know, it was about the color of a beaver, you know, that reddish brown kind of thing. you know. But it was dome-shaped, kind of round, you know, like, like like the top of a basketball covered with fur. OK. And then it would like go under and it would come up again and stuff. And I'm watching it slowly getting closer and stuff, but it's still pretty far out there. And I'm like, what the heck am I looking at? You know, I couldn't figure it out. It was too big to be a beaver, way too big to be a muskrat. You know, and as it starts getting a little closer, and I'm like, craning my neck, I notice like it's got like a body behind it. You know, you can sort of see it under the surface of the water. The water was very murky though; it was like tea from all the rain and stuff. And um, it was like uh, kind of long. Okay. And so I I figured out that the part that was working straight towards me was its head or the top of the head of whatever I was looking at. And so now I'm thinking, is this a deer? You know, because it was easily that big. And then I'm like, no, it's not a deer, you know, because the deer swim with their head up like a submarine periscope. You know, you've probably seen it, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So and uh, so then I'm like, maybe this is like a huge Irish setter. You know, because once again, the color was kind of like that. That's, that didn't make sense either, because the head was, you would only see this dome shape and then it would go back under, you know, stay under for a minute or two, you know, sometimes more, and then it would come back up again. And so I started thinking, like, what am I looking at here, you know? And it was, from my guesstimate, it was about five feet long, what I was seeing. Okay. It wasn't a huge thing, but it wasn't small. And as it got closer, I started seeing. In the tail end of it would look like a pair of legs. And so uh, when this thing was swimming, though, the legs moved together. Like, you know how, like, when people, like, wear, like, a mermaid costume or put those, like, whale-shaped fluke things on their feet instead of regular flippers, you know, to swim? So the legs moved together is what I'm saying when this thing was moving. OK, now, if people don't believe me if eventually it's proven that's, you know, Sasquatch exists and people see them swimming. OK, when you see them with the legs swimming together, you're going to know I was right. OK,
0: but uh,
3: <laughs> no, I'm just putting it out there. OK, so I, I, you know, it's getting closer. OK, it's still had to be like 60 feet away at this point, I guess. And I can see, like I said, I see the head come up. And then I could see like the the sort of the body in the surface, the water and these legs, like, you know, fluttering slowly, whatever. And then I figured out this thing must be eating crayfish because all this rocks and gravel that they piled up to form this causeway, you know, is like perfect, like hiding for crayfish. So whatever this thing was, I figured it, it must be going under, eating some crayfish, coming back up for air, you know, and repeating. And it was working its way towards me see? So then I was like, like, I couldn't figure it out though. You know, I, it, I didn't know that it was a primate at this point. Okay. I had no idea what it was. All I knew was it was reddish brown. It was furry. It was long. It seemed to have legs that were sort of like human, like in the back, you know, etc. So then I decided I got to see this thing better. So I decided to stand up and back up the hill a little bit, you know, cause I wanted to increase my vantage point so I could see down on it better. And as I did this, you know, you're standing on a loose rock and stuff, some of it slipped out and stuff, and it must have hurt it because it dove under then when this happened. And this is when I got a a good look at its arm, its left arm to be specific, and its arm broke the surface of the water as it went under. And I saw its shoulder, its bicep region, its elbow, and its forearm right up until the wrist point, broke the surface of the water. Okay. And it was, you know, out of the water for half a second or whatever it was, it was streaming water off the fur, very wet, obviously, and all, and I'm looking at it and it was just like a person's arm, you know, an athletic person's arm, except it was covered with thick reddish brown fur that was obviously soaking wet, you know, and it went right under, and I'm like, okay, that's not normal, you know, and all, it, it was like like an ape, okay? Like like an orangutan, but it, it wasn't an orangutan, like I said earlier. So it goes onto the surface and now it's swimming fast. And I can see the disturbance, like its shadow under the water, and it's heading right through that pipe that goes between the two lakes. So I'm like, whoa. So then I, I and there was no cell phones then or, or anything like that. I don't even know if we had a camera, we might have a Polaroid, but anyway, and I rushed up the hill, you know, slip and slide and crossed the little you know, rode there, almost got clipped by a car because I'm an idiot. But anyway, and I ran to the other side. And I'm like, guys, guys, guys. I'm like, look, look, look. And I was calling it a hairy red thing at this point. I said, there's a hairy red thing coming through right now. It's going to come through here. Watch, watch, watch. Well, this thing obviously got through there before I managed to get up the hill, cross, and come down the other side. And as we're standing there, like, yeah, right, you're an idiot. And I'm like, no, I swear to God. And then all of a sudden, like 100 feet to the left on the shoreline, there was a whole thick area of lily pads um, that just was, you know, hugging that whole shoreline, just running along there. prime bass territory, obviously, if you, you you want to cast in front of that or whatever. But anyway, and something started like crashing its way through the lily pads, you know, as if it was a huge fish, except it was like moving. Boom, 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 boom. You'd see like the disturbance in the water the plants and stuff getting disturbed as it worked its way along. And I think this was this thing that it was, you know, hiding in the foliage and stuff working its way along for it decided to, you know, whatever, swim wherever, or whatever, et cetera. But, uh, you know, I, it didn't dawn on me at the time because I was not into cryptids or anything like that, that it was some sort of anthropoid. I just thought it had a human arm that was covered with hair and, you know, it was fairly sizable and stuff. But when I started researching monsters and marine mysteries, I started looking up the history of the area and I did find a report from like a hundred years ago where the fishermen reported a quote hairy wild child was what they called it swimming in the lake. And so this kind of fit the description. And I was told by a, a Bigfoot expert that back then nobody used the term Bigfoot or Sasquatch. They that's what people used to refer to, the creatures like that as a hairy wild man, or in this case, a hairy wild child. So the only thing I could surmise is that this was probably a young, very brazen, you know, animal that was kind of taking a foolish mistake, or maybe was addicted to crayfish and really wanted some crayfish and figured, you know, this time of the morning, dead on the lake, nobody around, a lot of mist, whatever, and was taking advantage of the opportunity, not expecting a couple of idiots or one in particular to be standing there trying to catch fish and stuff. So anyway, that's what happened.
1: Now, <laughs> now, did your your brothers when the things started crashing through the lily pads, did that convince them that you had seen something or they
3: just Well, alike? they were a little nervous at that point, but neither of them was feeling ballsy enough to run over there and try and, you know, like try and explore the area. Like you could we could have climbed through the woods and rushed around and tried to cut it off at the pass or something like that. But, you know, they were just kind of sitting there like, what the heck is that? You know, this, this there's, and then, you know, 30 seconds later, it's gone. You know, this thing was like, you know, pretty quick, but I mean it, I can't think of anything else that it could possibly be. You know? Well, especially with you seeing the arm. Yeah. I mean, that was like freaky. I mean, like, like it was burned into my brain as the arm broke the surface. You know, it was like, you know, when you do like a crawl stroke and your arm comes up, you know, except yeah. I don't think it was doing a crawl stroke. I don't know what it was doing at that point. But it was very fast once it decided to move, you know, like get underway, let's call it, you know, kicking and whatever it was doing and stuff. It moved very quickly because I saw it like. So it could swim faster than a Phelps. Let's put it that way.
2: Wow. <laughs> now, now,
1: now, if you hadn't moved, chances are it might have swam right up to
3: you. Yeah, I was even thinking maybe I should have tried to cast out and snag it with a lure, but that probably not, wouldn't have worked Uh-oh.
2: out. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
3: uh, yeah. And then like, you know, then the, the adult male comes over and like separates your head from your body or something like that. <laughs>
2: yeah, <you know? laughs> I, I tried to
3: juvenile, cut down. Yeah. that, yeah. You know, I've, <laughs> I've read plenty of accounts where that's bad things have happened to people that have injured a Sasquatch and stuff, so...
1: So did that – so you didn't find any more other than that one account for that area? Because, I mean, there are some really like strange accounts like in that – I don't know how close Danbury is to – what do they call it? The the triangle over there, the Bridgewater Triangle? There's a bunch
3: of reports of, of Bigfoot in that area, and I included them in a monsters and marine mysteries. So it's not an isolated incident. Um, but some of them are fairly old, you know, like yeah. 50, 70, hundred years old, stuff like that. You know, like people were like scared, frightened, attacked, different things like that by the, you know, these creatures. So it's not like there aren't, there isn't a history of the, the species existing in Connecticut. I just happened to, you know, stumble upon, you know, some opportunistic youngster that, you know probably should have known better thank god yeah and i, a, and
1: I, I think one. people i think people that think about the east coast just think it's nothing but you know boston new york uh you know one big city after another and it's all highway but there's some serious like even out on the cape even out on cape cod there's a lot of area that's kind of remote um that you can get lost in a little bit you know. Uh, Not saying there's Bigfoot running around on Cape Cod, but it's just there's more. It's it's kind of like here in Ohio where um, people think there's certain areas where there's no way Bigfoot could exist or be or it wouldn't be good habitat. But how much habitat does it take? Mm -hmm. You know, it just takes some remote habitat. You know that they can kind of be alone, kind of hide, kind of stay out of the sight. You know.
3: Well, I mean, I live the woods is literally. Right outside my door and I've – I mean I have all sorts of deer and wild turkeys through here and stuff all the time, all sorts of critters. One time i we've got a bobcat that's a regular around here and raccoons and opossums and all sorts of stuff. But I mean two winters ago I found four-inch mountain lion tracks in the snow going through my yard. And they're not supposed to be any mountain lions in Pennsylvania, but
1: <laughs> I'll bet. And I bet if you called the uh, Pennsylvania
3: wildlife, they'd be like, "Oh, you're you're mistaken. There are none." Yeah, <laughs> they they did try that actually. Okay, and the funny part is is that that spring after everything thawed, there was a half-eaten dead deer in the back that, that we found that smelled like a. You know, I thought it was a body, like a person's body, God forbid. And I called the police, went back there, and found this mauled, partially eaten deer. So. It didn't get there by itself, and I didn't do it. <laughs>
1: now, um, while the Bigfoot story is fascinating, the other story that you kind of alluded to me and Jason about the uh, flying thing, I, I would like to hear. I'd really like to hear this uh, this story, and I think I think our I think our listeners, because because like I said, we've kind of talked, we think that these things have a uh, a real place in folklore history that is real. And I think all of our listeners in Europe and stuff will, will they might have something to say about this story
2: you're going to tell. Oh yeah. No doubt about that.
3: Not, not a problem. Um, and all, if I don't remember all the details though, it's all in the book. So, I mean, people can, you know, a Kindle, I always tell people if they're going to get this book, I recommend the Kindle version simply because all the links to the corroborating data, research, etc., you know, scientific papers, etc., are all accessible. You can just click on it with a Kindle, and it opens right up for you. So it does oh, make your life. Okay. If you, you know, if you're reading a book that relies on actual research and documentation, it's so much easier than having to say, okay, let me hold up the book and punch in this, and you know, etc. But you know, I mean, purists prefer a traditional. Whatever works. Um, so the date was November 22nd of 2016. And I know this not just because it's burned into my head but because when I walked in the door after this had happened and I drew what happened, I wrote the date on the, the sketch and I still have it. Um, so my daughter was only seven at the time and we were uh, – she was – I picked her up from aftercare after school and then we uh, – I don't know if we swung by the store or not first. I think we probably did but it was definitely past 6 o'clock and it was already pitch blackout obviously, you know near thanksgiving it's you know daylight savings mm-hmm. etc it's it's darkest pitch out at like at four o'clock or something like that so it was uh it was cold it was around 36 degrees and it was very blustery and there had been like some snow flurries that is one huge cat sorry my this cat is like destroying the chair and um <laughs> oh my god <laughs> really He's mad because he destroyed this leather chair in my office, so I put a cover over it, like this this special cloth cover. And now he's angry that he can't destroy the leather, so he's trying to destroy the cloth. But it's it's cat resistant, so it's interesting. Anyway, moving right along. So, um, and uh, it was snowing like flurries, you know, but it wasn't sticking. Um, it was bad for visibility a little bit, but uh, it was very the, – between the breeziness, the blusteriness, let's call it, and the fact that it was still 36 degrees out and the streets were still warmer, it wasn't like freezing on the, the, the road yet. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just putting that out there. So I'm driving up this – this through this area in this you know, very quiet street, which is near my house. Okay. And um, as we're driving along, and this is a a development, so I'm being careful because there's kids. Even though there's nobody out because it's time and stuff and it's winter, you know, you want to be careful. And I I see something in the street ahead of us, you know, just sitting there in the middle of of the road. And I thought it was a piece of debris or something like that. And I said out loud, I said, "Uh uh-oh, it looks like we got something in the road ahead. So Ava, my daughter, she was in the car seat on the right side so she leans over you know to see what it is which actually worked out nicely because she had a full view of the festivities because the uh, you know the seat in front of her was not in her way and so I see this thing and I thought it was like a dark colored box or something like that like small like a little smaller than a shoebox or something you know so I figured you know you don't know what's in a box it could be a box of nails nobody wants to get a blowout or anything like that so I'm trying to like straddle it with my wheels with the tires you know like I'm saying, like, clear it, mm-hmm. you know, one on each side, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going real slow as I'm approaching it. I don't know how far away I was, 30, 40 feet at this point. And the box, quote, air quotes, as you should call it, um, it starts to move, okay? Like, it it elevates a little bit. But since it's windy and I'm convinced that it's a box, I'm like, oh, that's a flap from the box, and it's just moving in the wind. You know, logical, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
3: You know, this dark thing. So as I get closer to it, and I'm, like, going to say now it's about maybe 30 feet away, okay? I see the box, which is now illuminated in my headlights, has a face. And I'm looking right at it, okay? And its head was, like, maybe the size of a small apple. Not a small apple, but an apple, okay? And it was, like, dark gray, and it had like black eyes and a black mouth. And uh, it was really like hideous looking, like gargoyle like looking. Okay? Like the homunculus from the old Simbad movie or something like that, okay? Except it sort of had like some sort of, like a rough behind it. I say rough, I mean R U F F, you know, like Bristol's hair or something like that back there. I don't know what that was. And I'm staring at it and now I'm stopping and I'm like, is that an animal? You know, I'm like looking at it and now my brain, it's looking right at me and it had this look on its face like this, like, like, Wah! like it was like its mouth was wide open and you could tell it was like, I don't know, growling or hissing or whatever it was doing. I mean, I couldn't hear because I was in an SUV and the doors are closed. OK, but uh, and the mouth was really black and it was very angry and were upset. And which makes sense, I mean, because the thing's lying in the middle of the street and you got a 5,000 pound SUV bearing down on you with headlights. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. I could see, you know? And so, like, so it's looking at me and I'm looking at it and my brain is going a mile a minute and I'm, I know a lot about animals. All right. I mean, I've written a, a formal paper on, on paleontology and I'm trying to review every animal from that area first or in the world I'm trying to find something in my brain that, that this is and I nothing matches it's like you know like like adrenaline rush okay and stuff and it's like starts to push up like off the ground like with its arms it has arms it starts pushing up like that and uh, I'm going to say maybe it was a foot or more tall okay I want to guess maybe a little more than that but anyway, and Olaf, please stop. And um, you stop. So anyway, if I start getting mauled by a cat or you hear, like, crashing, you'll know something <laughs> when I ride here. Um, <laughs> it, it just
1: you know, adds the story.
3: Big this cat is um, like this cat's the size of a bobcat. OK, Ooh, so. Wow. Yeah. And cover with fluff. Is it, a, is
2: it a mancoon or what kind is it?
3: No, it's a Siberian forest cat, which is closely related. Actually, and they're uh, like like they're both descended from Norwegian forest cats, if you care to know, Viking cats. Okay. But anyway, so um, yeah, it's it. Kill that chair. You get that chair. You teach him a lesson, boy. Gonna anyway. All right, so so what happens is is so I'm staring at this thing and I have no idea what this is. You know, Ava's staring at it. We're just like looking, and then. I literally out uh, I, I don't normally use expletives in front of my daughter, especially when she was seven. And I out loud, I just went, "What the hell is that?" Like this, you know. And as I say this, it like like springs up in the air, and it has wings. No joke. Okay, wings just whoosh, come out, and it's like twenty feet from my headlights suspended in the air, about six feet up, like level with my face, okay? And the wings are vibrating like a, like a hummingbird's or, or a dragonflies, okay? In fact, its wings were very similar to a, a huge dragonflies. It had two sets. They were long. They were oval-shaped. They weren't like a dragonflies where they have that weird taper and one set's a little bigger than the other. Okay, they were evenly matched in size. And they were vibrating like like this and having, allowing it to hold position in the air right in front of us. And I'm just staring at it like this, you know, and it was like on the ground. See, I think this thing got hurt. I think it hit a power line or I don't know what, maybe an owl took a shot at it, you know, but I think it crash landed into the street and you know, it was like lying there, like hurt and whatever. And then when I happened upon it, it must have gotten a burst of adrenaline or whatever, and it gathered its energy, and then it, it jumped up and it was able to get airborne again. Okay, but uh, when it was on the ground, it was literally like a dark gray. But when it was in the air, it looked entirely different. And this is the freaky part. Okay, people like it was an ET or who knows what or an angel, you know. But uh, if it was an angel. Ooh. <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> I mean it was it was it was hideous. Could have okay? been a Mothman. It, I, I don't know. Well some people have said that, but if it was a Mothman, Mothman looks nothing like those statues that people and the eyes are not glowing. Okay. I mean I had this thing right in my headlights and his eyes were black as pitch. Okay. Mm. But uh so these wings are like clear like translucent and because of the headlights i think the only reason i saw it good because of the headlights they were like shimmering along the edges and you could see them as they're vibrating okay but the thing's body the head now it looked like it almost had like an ethereal quality to it it was like silvery whitish or something like that it was much more attractive when it was like quote lit up in the air than when it was on the ground which made me wonder in retrospect maybe it could change like colors like a chameleon and it was trying to blend in with the asphalt, hence the gray color, you know, ah, I don't yeah. know, yeah. you know, but, you know, when it was in the air, it was something to see. It, it was like, like wondrous for one of a better word, you know, and it was vibrating like that and looking at us and I had just said, what the hell is that? And then it did this. And then Ava points at it and she goes, it's a fairy, daddy. It's a fairy. And she's pointing right at it. And then it looked, it saw her, I think for the first time. And then it went Woof! and it just took off right over the roof of my truck so fast. It was like incredible. I mean, this thing was a very powerful flyer. It just was gone like a missile. And now we're sitting there and I'm like, and I have nothing to say. I'm just, and if you knew me, well, you'd know I never shut up. But I'm speechless, okay? And I'm, like, driving, like, like, crawling the rest of the way home, talking to myself, like, muttering. <laughs> and walk into the park, walk in the house. Ava runs in the room. She's like... Mommy, we saw a fairy, we saw a fairy. And she's like, oh, You did. That's so nice. Like she doesn't believe anybody, you know, and all. And and me, she said, no, I swear to God, daddy, tell her. And I'm like talking to myself. I walk right into my office, I turn on the computer, and I'm pulling up like bats, largest bat in North America, this, that. I know it's not a bat, it had wings like a bug and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And I I'm just like losing my mind. You know, and by the way, this thing's wingspan was at least three feet, just so we're clear on that. Okay, it did not have small wings. Like the body was comparatively small compared to the wingspan. Like if you look at an eagle that's like two feet tall and has like a six or seven foot wingspan, right. it was like that. Okay, it had big wings compared to its body mass, which makes sense aerodynamically speaking, I guess. But anyway, and you know there was like it was like insane. And I'm sitting there scratching my head, and I'm like, fairies are real. Fairies are real. What else is real? Is everything real? You know, like this scene from one of the Twilight movies where she meets the <laughs> werewolves, you know, and she's like, is everything, or all the legends true? You know, this type of stuff. And I'm like, like what the heck just happened? You know? And I had to sit there and I'm like drawing this sketch with shaky hands and all this other stuff, exactly what happened and all this stuff. So then like, like, you know, Dave and I spoke about it and all this stuff and, you know, we, we, My then agent, she was telling us it was a brownie, which is a large species of fairy that, according to her, lives in trees, like a squirrel nest and stuff, and they eat fruits and berries and all this stuff. So come spring, it was like maybe May, something like that, we decided we were going to try and feed the fairy, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Only I would do something this stupid, Okay. So it was a Sunday. Like I said, the woods are right out back, and it was nearby. So, you know, we went into the woods. I was armed, just as we're clear on that. You never know. There's things in the woods that, you know, and I worry about the two-legged ones, and I don't mean Bigfoot, but anyway. And uh, we went in. We walked in on 100 yards, 200 yards in the woods, and we found this area where there was a lone tree, which was clean cut. You know, very strange. Like one tree was just cut. You know, and like almost polished cut. I mean, like, like, you know, like amazing. And I was like, oh, here's a table. Perfect. And I had brought a bowl, like a heavy plastic bowl filled with those big, delicious blueberries you get from Costco. You know, the good ones. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? The size of small grapes and everything like that. (laughs) And we had washed them in spring water, all this stuff. You know, I don't want to give a fairy, like, you know, pesticides or anything like that, you know. So. I sat the bowl on the thing and we sat on a fallen log and she didn't want to say anything because she was shy. And I was like, felt like an idiot, but I did this speech, you know, we don't mean you any harm. If you'd like to communicate, you're welcome. We brought you something to eat, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I felt like an idiot saying this stuff. We sat out there for like an hour and nothing happened, you know. So we got up, and we left, we left the food, said, you know, this is for you, it's safe, whatever, etc. cetera, and all. And so we went our back to the house, whatever and stuff. So she had school the next day and she said, daddy, you need to go check on the, you know, the, uh, the fruit and see if, if the fairies ate it or not. And I'm like, okay, sure. Peanut. I'll, I'll do that. So I go into the woods, you know, a few hours later or whatever. And, um, I walk in and I go back to the tree and the bowl still sitting there in the exact same spot, but it's been picked clean. There is nothing in it. It's immaculate. Okay. And I'm like, well, that's odd. You know, I mean, there are deer and raccoons and opossum, whatever. You would think that if an animal, you know, like dug into these blueberries, I mean, you know, deer, you've seen them eat, they're messy. You know what I mean? There'd be like juice and little scrapes of skin and whatever, and they would have knocked the bowl around and whatever. It was just like picked clean, like empty, there were no blueberries, nothing on the ground, nothing anywhere. Okay. It was just sitting there, you know? And I'm like, well, that's so strange. And then when I was on a... Shannon show that we were talking about earlier, I had discussed this. And I said to her, uh, you know, so, I don't know, sometimes teenagers hang out in the woods. Maybe they just saw them and ate the blueberries. And she goes, right. She goes, because if you were walking through the woods and you saw a bowl <laughs> of blueberries just sitting there, you would say, oh, well, these are perfectly safe. I'll just eat these, you know, and stuff. And then I was like, you're right. I said, it's like in that ep- that-, that Shrek movie where he goes, donkey. There's the plate of fresh waffles in the middle of the woods. Don't you find that a little bit odd? No, you know, this type of stuff. So I have no idea what happened. You know, I, I have no explanation for that. I mean, that's, you know, easily explainable, just a little odd. But, you know, that's what happened. And I haven't seen one of these critters since then. I have put a trail camera, you know, out back you know, on my property, because I don't want somebody in the woods further down saying, Ooh, a trail camera, you know, whatever and stuff. But, uh, you know, and I've gotten lots of critters on there, but I haven't gotten one of these things yet, but hope spring is eternal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a, uh, that's an,
1: that's a crazy story right there. That's incredible. I mean, but, we mm-hmm. I, but, but like we talked about, though those type of creatures have, have been around for thousands of years and stories from all
3: over the world. You know, if I'd had a, a a dash cam on there, like I was thinking of getting, I would have been world famous from it. I'm sorry to say, you don't want to sound like a, like a, somebody who likes publicity because this thing was dead centered in my headlights, just staring at us you know what I mean it, it would have been like right there videotaped and stuff you know but uh, it's not the only one though because there was a, a another like somebody one of my readers I think on Facebook had sent me a link she found on I might have been the crypto crew or one of these sites but these people saw a fairy that fit this description. It was, like, dark gray. It was, like, a foot tall, and they were out in, like, like a cabin or something like that where there was a lot of hanging, like, plants and stuff suspended outside, and it was in one of the plants just, like, chilling out, and then it, it came to realize there were people, and it just, like, took off or whatever, but they all saw it, a whole bunch of people, you know? So, I mean, it fits the same description of what we saw species-wise, size, coloration, that kind of stuff, so. Yeah, I
1: – that just defies – Um, defies logic and explanation as far as what we consider logical and explainable, (laughs) you know. But then you got the guy who saw the 50 foot fin from the whale, Mm -hmm. you know.
3: Yes, I I, I reserve judgment on that, okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, Um, listen, how can you? How can you, how can you, how can you almost (laughs) question, like, yeah. Like when like, you see when you see stuff that you personally have seen, it has to really put in your mind when you're when you're reading these stories. Like, so if somebody was investigating this story of yours. It's your word, and then like, your daughter's word. You know, and is somebody you know how's somebody going to say, well, she was only seven years old. She didn't know what she was seeing. You know, when you clearly were there and knew that she knew exactly what she was. You know,
3: seeing, you know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so. the timing couldn't have been better, to be honest, because she was starting to have her doubts about Santa Claus, you know. Oh, dear. And, and I said to her, I said, well, Peanut, I said, we saw the fairy, remember? And she goes, yeah. I said, so fairies are real. She goes, oh, you're right.
0: And I was <laughs> like, yes.
3: <laughs> Bought me A couple years. That's so, right. A couple of years. I'm telling you, you don't know what I go through. All right? uh, as a dad, you know, you want to like, you know, hold on to the, the child oh, as long as you can. Uh, but uh, Yes,
1: trust me. It, is, it gets worse when they get older. Trust me. They don't believe anything. Oh. They want everything and they don't believe it.
2: <laughs> so. And they think they know everything.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm there already. I got that one down pat. Right. Oh, uh, this this is a whole different podcast. Therapy for dads. Um, <laughs> this, <laughs> no, I man, I, that those are my the those are some of my favorite. You know, and and Jason and I, we've done some episodes with gnomes and trolls and fairies, and I uh, man, I tell you what, I just. I just gotta believe that those stories from that came from Europe, with the the you know the quote fairy tales about those things, they're rooted in something. Yeah, there's just and, too
2: way too much lore out there coming from uh, like you said over there in Europe for something
3: not to have existed at one time. And or you more.
1: see, and you saw with your own eyes.
3: I mean, right. you saw with your own eyes. And I drew the thing's face too, which I put in the book all right it's not pretty okay but it you know as as far as my memory goes that's a pretty accurate depiction of what this thing looked like you got to understand though i tell people this okay if this is a mothman okay or a baby mothman some people were saying that stuff uh, then they don't look anything like what other people have seen especially the statues the wings are membranous like an insect's. And it has four of them, you know, two sets.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking like a
3: dragonfly or something, like you were saying. Yeah. And, but, you know, and if it's a fairy, they are hideous, terrifying looking, and they're not small. You know, I mean, this thing would not be big if it was a foot, foot and a half tall, whatever, you know. Yeah, not, you didn't
1: see Tinkerbell is what you're saying. Oh,
3: uh, no, no, no. I saw now, Tinkerbell now. on the Disney cruise. She was very nice. All right. <laughs> right but this is not Tinkerbell. OK.
1: So. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, that's bad. Jason, Jason saw right? Jason. Jason saw Tinkerbell Land West last week. But that's a whole different cruise. Um, wow.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Jason's like that's it. So when we look at so when you see the face it's not like you're seeing like a little human face right no, no okay no,
2: this thing now was did like, it look somewhat I mean for those people that haven't read the book yet I'm going to read it I'm gonna get it but I'm I'm curious was it like a uh did you see any any type of humanoid type features on that face even though it was a ugly face
3: it had two eyes okay it had a like a sort of pushed up nose if you want to call it that and the mouth the mouth was able to open very wide like when it was screaming or yelling or whatever roaring hissing i don't know what you call it okay i couldn't hear anything like i said you know the mouth was sizable okay Mm -hmm. um and it looked like the head was sticking out of like a like a rough like i said like like fur bristling stuff behind it mm, you know okay. like like that's why i was like is this an animal like what the heck am i looking at here you know this type of stuff um but it, it had gray skin the skin was smooth looking um dark dark gray like i said mm-hmm. and it had like you know like like arms or something it pushed itself up with you know but i mean like Mainly, I was staring at its face as it was looking at me and hissing or whatever it was doing. Right. It was very upset, honestly. Like, if I went jumped out and tried to grab this thing, it probably would have been a very bad move. <laughs> okay. Wow, well, that like-
2: sounds like a fascinating creature right there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and I need my fingers for writing novels. Okay, not you know. Yeah. What I mean? like, like, <laughs> Get him,
2: daddy! Get him! You got him, daddy!
3: And then like a hundred of them come down and like start like stripping the flesh of my bones or something like that. You know?
1: Oh boy, that wow! That would be. Uh, I'm expecting. I'm expecting. You know, the uh, on offshoot of the Cronus Rising to be the uh, the fairy, the bad fairy. Yeah, you know, I can imagine that would. Be, I mean, that's just, that'd be a great movie. I don't know if there's any bad fairy movies, is there?
2: Uh, uh, there was no. some uh, B-horror movies that they took upon that uh, concept, but that'd be, that'd be very, but imagine how frightening that is, because I think most people think, when you
1: hear fairy, you think of this, you know, cute little thing with pixie dust and a magic wand and, and not something that's, that's just frightening. It
3: Yeah. Like I said, though, but it did look nicer in the air. It was almost like it was, I don't say glowing, but it was like, like silvery white more like it seemed like the body and everything like that. And then the wings were very like glittering along the edges. Like, you know, maybe it was because my headlights hitting them or what, but they were like, 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 like it, it was like angelic for want of a better word you know that's what my wife was saying she was like it was an angel i'm like this was no angel i'm telling you this is not an angel if that's an angel we're all in trouble we're in trouble
0: yeah (laughs)
1: oh well max i like i said i think we're gonna we get to leave the what we said uh, in the beginning in this was a this was great this was a uh, God said that you stepped up and and agreed to come on and kind of help us out in the pinch because I don't know. it's gonna be pretty hard to top some of these stories and and I know for Jason's pretty excited when, when I was telling him about the uh, the book series and then mm. I had no idea we were gonna get into the discussion about the sharks and the giant squid. I, that that's some great stuff. That's, that was really some great stuff. We appreciate, appreciate you sharing that that with us. If
3: your readers want to see the footage and stuff about the, that orca that was like all torn up and everything, um, is it okay if I, I, oh yeah. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Yeah.
3: So if you go on YouTube and you just look up Max Hawthorne's book trailers and videos, Mm -hmm. you know, you'll be able to find it on there. I mean, there's a lot of videos and different things like that, but, um, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's, it's it's something to see honestly um but yeah and if anybody wants to uh i mean the books you know amazon has everything so you just look me up or look up cronus rising or monsters and marine mysteries and you're there
1: yeah yeah that's, there's a there's a lot of books under your name on amazon so.
2: yeah i was checking that uh, out we yeah. did
1: we, we didn't even get to touch on the gym book the, the book about the gym that <laughs>
3: that, that, that there that you I, go well I, you know I, what we could do that on an- another episode. Okay. That but I don't think great. your readers are gonna wanna know about, you know, like like about a five hundred pound naked man flossing with a towel that somebody else will get given that
1: <laughs> <laughs> No, they're not gonna wanna right. know about that. Hey, Jason, maybe that's a maybe maybe that's an episode for the howler. For the for one of our Ozark Howlers. <laughs> so, so that might be one of those uh, but, yes. <laughs> uh-huh. but yes, all of our all of our Uh, fans that are workout gym junkies in your in your collection of books there i was reading the uh, reviews on that and it seemed like it's a really entertaining read uh what's the now what's the name of that book Uh, memoirs of a gym rat memoirs of a gym rat so so with if you want to buffer the uh you know giant sea creatures kill or prehistoric sea creatures killing everybody Check out the the uh, memoirs of a gym rat. In between, uh, it looks hilarious. It looks
3: really, really, <laughs> really. Uh, I recommend the Audible version simply because the the actor that they hired is a stand-up comedian, and he is. Hilarious. Uh, I mean, you know, his <laughs> voice impersonations. He had me cracking up. And when you've written a book and edited 16th Ways to Sunday, you know, it's hard to make you laugh. But, uh, you know, if you, whenever you go on these things, there's free samples, obviously, from Amazon and Audible and all that. You know, you get to, you know, you try it out and see what works. But, you know, you may think twice about your gym membership after
1: reading
2: all this.
1: <laughs> well, I, hey, I gave mine up years ago and it didn't have anything to do with this book. But I will still go go and check out the book.
2: Well, I'm, so, I'm going to start so, my my reading out with uh, "Monsters and Marine Mysteries." I mean, that's, that's yeah. The one. So, <laughs> so everybody, hey,
1: everybody listening, show our appreciation for Max coming on. Go check out his books. Go download some. Go buy some, and just and, and reach out to him. And let him know which which is like give him a good five star rating and all that stuff. Because I'm sure if the books are half as entertaining as telling these stories and uh, uh, they're they're great reads for sure I'm not, I'm not sure I can get Christy to read them because then she would never go near the water again no but, she
2: won't you know, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll try so, well, I ain't so, worried about getting into water so I'm going to go ahead and read it I, like I said Jaws have, has cleared me and I do not want to get into water this is just going to add to that <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's my my goal is to actually system single-handedly put the the bathing suit industry in the toilet.
2: <laughs> there you go.
3: <laughs> I, 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 sales well. down. Cronus rising. Sales I, are up. Bathing suit swim trunks way down.
1: Yep. Well, I'm de- I think I think I speak for Jason. We'll definitely keep an eye out for the uh, for any news on a possible movie for this franchise. Because uh, oh, no doubt. How, how could they not? How could they not? Read? I mean, it's it's uh, Jurassic Park meets Jaws, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the tagline, right? That's got to be yeah. the tagline.
3: that's that hashtag was originally come somebody originally came up with that, like a reader many years back for the first Cronus Rising book and stuff. So, other people that's have latched onto it, but you know, that's uh,
2: well, good. Max, we would love to have you on again. I mean, uh, thank this you. would it was be my pleasure. this would be awesome. Thank yeah,
3: you. yeah. So thank hey.
1: Thank you so much for coming on and I just want to want to remind everybody go check out Max's stuff and if if everybody, if anybody has a has a story or something they want to come on and tell us about whether it's Bigfoot, fairies in the middle of the road, trolls, you know, anything, ghosts, UFOs, find us at fromtheshadows.com uh on our on our website, find me uh Shane Grove author on Instagram, find us on facebook and from the shadows and after the shadows and get a hold of us man because we these are the best stories i mean just like we loved hearing about uh max's books, but his stories of his own personal uh experiences th- those trump everything except for maybe the 900 foot whale shark but <laughs> other, than that, <laughs> other than
0: that
1: so hey max thank you so much for you, for, for bailing us out but you know this episode was fantastic
2: Yes, it was. It was awesome. Yes. and yep. uh, also when you get when uh, when our guest, uh, well, when our when our people read some of your books, make sure you leave a uh, leave a, a rating. I mean, you know, it really helps the author out when you do that. Just like our podcast, you know, when you we always tell Jason, you he's
1: got like he's got like five thousand five star ratings. I, I know that. Let's keep right. it going. I
2: think he's, I think he's 5, doing all right. Keep is
1: always good. That's yeah, right. That's right. We got to keep it going. All right, Max. Well, hey, thank you so much, and we will we'll, we'll talk to you. Thank
3: you. Yep. Thank you. Have thank a thank great night, guys. you, guys. Yep.
2: Bye. <laughs> thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out.